Hello and welcome to episode 274 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we have a very special topic today. It's near and dear to the hearts of many an RPG fan. We're finally doing a podcast about Final Fantasy XIV, and not just devoting a large segment of random encounter to Final Fantasy XIV. So joining me today are two of RPG fans' many FF14 players, uh, starting with Mike Salvato. Hi, I'm Mike Salvato, and I run the site or something. And Peter Treisenberg. Hi, I'm I'm Peter Treisenberg. I write news occasionally. Uh, both correct. And I'm Mike Solosi. I podcast occasionally. So FF14. We talk about FF14 a lot on RPG fans podcasts because it. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, if there's one multiplayer game or one online game that is played by most of the of RPG fan, or at least uh, uh, many of RPG fan, it's FF14. We, we don't have a bunch of Destiny players, we don't have a bunch of WoW players, uh, and like it, we have FF14 veterans and newcomers. Uh, it, it's been sort of the unofficial game of the website for... Five years, seven years, something like that. Uh, Mike, do you share that uh, that perception of mine? Yeah, and really, it's just grown since then. Like every, we get new people on staff, and we just have more and more people all the time. Like we hired two or three people this fall, and I think at least one or two of them are also players. Oh, it's more like four or five people this fall, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but we uh, definitely. Um, our RPG fan FF14 numbers are growing, and um, and Mike, you've been uh, an FF14 player since very early on. We'll, we'll get into the specifics of that very soon. And Peter, you're a more recent convert to FF14, and I think I'm in between you uh, in terms of when I started playing and how far I am. So, yeah, like our separate FF14 journeys are very different, and I think we'll make make for a fairly interesting podcast, uh, listeners. The three of us will be talking about our FF14 experiences in detail, and then we're going to go and talk about the highs and lows of the story of A Realm Reborn, which is the 2013 and 2014 FF14 run of content. Uh, I want this to be a four-part uh, mini-series of episodes on Final Fantasy XIV, doing one a month for something like four, five, six months, like maybe not every month, but it's going to be four FF14 episodes with a different uh, panel each time across four episodes, and this is the first of the four. So uh, before we get into those um, personal Final Fantasy XIV journeys, let's talk about a little bit about what it is. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV is a massively multiplayer online RPG uh, that began development um, in the late 2000s and had its first release in 2010. And uh, first release versus 2.0 is sort of important for FF14 because that initial launch was a failure. The um, game was a, a, wide, a widely received disappointment, uh, and, but, but Square was so determined to not make it a complete failure that they pulled the plug on FF14 1.0 and relaunched it in, in 2013 as Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn. And that uh, is the game that is the uh, big success and RPG fan darling that, uh, that we're still playing today. Um, Mike, I, I know you were around for at least for the beginning of 2.0. Like, were you involved in FF14 1.0 as well? I, I, I think you've told me, but I've forgotten since. Um, I was not. I'm, I'm right. glad about that. My, uh, my brother was <laughs> a big, big Final Fantasy 11 player, which I didn't play 11. Um, and there were definitely some crossover between 11 and 1.0 of 14. The, um, 
you know, the parts of the game that were basically um, anti-player and like designed by. I'm not saying it was actually designed by people who hated player the people playing the game, but some parts of it felt like that. Um, so he played 1.0, so I heard about it all the time how just how awful it was and how just it was just not fun. And uh, one thing that's amusing about 1.0, which I, of course I did not play, I, I didn't get into any MMOs at all until I started playing FF14 2.0. Um, as part of the story, they had a meteor like hit the world of FF14. Yeah, and that cutscene that plays is incredible. Like, the fact that they actually built an in-universe reason to destroy the world and start the game from scratch is so cool. Yeah, and players in, uh, I think, 2011 is when it happened, even logged in to watch the world end, uh, which is... And and you can find YouTube footage of that uh, or, or, or similar, which is completely wild to me. But they, like, and um, FF14 2.0, uh, Realm Reborn doesn't exactly restart the world of FF14. It it uh it makes the events of 1.0 actual story canon and uh and is basically about the fallout of what happens after Meteor landed. So and there's um uh like like you can't replay the content of FF14 1.0, but it's referenced in content in uh for the remainder of FF14, which is wild to me. Like there's a, a lot of people didn't play 1.0 and and can't really go back and play 1.0 but uh characters like uh oh like some of the characters in the Bahamut raids are are referenced in the FF14 you can play <laughs> but uh now only exist in i guess yeah. YouTube videos and wiki and wiki articles oh yeah the 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 binding coil Bahamut raids basically just exist to explain what happens to a couple major characters from 1.0 and resolve the uh the whole mystery of of meteor falling um which is again it's super neat um and and i think it's it's telling too that like square didn't really want the final fantasy brands to be sullied by a game like 1.0 that was basically unplayable and really unpopular so they really pulled out all the stops in trying to salvage it and they did succeed in turning it around all right and uh, we don't need to um go over every single point of the ff14 reclamation project which is Fascinating and one of the great video game development stories of the 2010s. But uh, the very, very abridged version is uh, a new a new director was brought in, Naoki Yoshida, who's uh, nicknamed Yoshi P, and um, he's been the architect of Final Fantasy XIV since the 2.0 relaunch, and is and I am not sure I ever I've ever even heard of a single person on the development side so beloved by the fan base on the consumer side, like like. Like Yoshi P is tr- is treated as FF14's Lord and Savior by the by the fan base, and maybe for good reason because he took a a failed game and made it into one of the most beloved uh, online games uh, in of, of recent years. But uh, if you want to go into the deep story of the FF14 Death and Rebirth, there's a really good no clip documentary on the subject. I think it's uh, I think it's done yes. in multiple parts. And uh, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Danny something. Um, Danny O'Dwyer. Yeah, Danny O'Dwyer, right. Danny O'Dwyer's No Clip Documentaries series is really, really good, and uh, and the FF14 um, episode or episodes on it is definitely worth viewing for anyone that's at least FF14 curious. So speaking of FF14 curious, at some point, each of the three of us was interested in this MMO enough to start it, and uh, let's go in roughly chronological order. Uh, Mike, how did you start playing FF14, and... Give us the abridged version of your FF14 personal journey. Okay. Um, 
mine started in kind of a funny way. I was I was rehashing it over dinner tonight to remind myself. But when um, I I was vaguely following it because I knew what they were doing and I know the uh, reputation that 1.0 had, and I was glad. Like I was glad they were trying to fix it, but I still wasn't that interested, and I don't really have a good reason why. Maybe because I never played 11, and my MMOs at the time I think were Warcraft, and I dabbled in some other stuff. But it was I was so uninterested to the point where the E3 before A Realm Reborn came out. So it came out in August of 2013. And it was there at E3 that year. And I think it was, you could fight um, Ifrit. And a bunch of people on staff wanted to play it and they stood in line. And I, was, I didn't even play it at E3. Like several of my friends and coworkers were like, let, let, let's go play this. And I'm just like, no, no, it's okay. I don't, I'm not going to get into that game. I'm not going to play it. <laughs> and then, then like a month after E3, they had this, they had a closed beta thing that you had to sign up for. So I was convinced to sign up for that. So I said, okay, fine. I will sign up. I'll try it out. We'll see what happens. And yeah, that was it. Um, I, I haven't stopped playing since that beta in, I think, July. I think it was July of that year. Yeah, E3 is always June. So July, one month later, makes sense. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, something about it, just the world design, the characters. I, I had no idea. It's just so funny to think a month before that I had zero interest that even for free at an event, like I'm like not even interested. And now it's, I I haven't checked my playtime lately, but I, last time I checked, I was somewhere around 3000 or 3,500 hours. So Holy I've played it a little bit. Yeah. I am yep. slightly frightened to hit the uh, the the time played button that that you can that you can hit in in game because I don't want to know what my hour count is. Uh, <laughs> but but Mike, you you've played basically every expansion and are either caught up or almost caught up uh, as we're recording this in late January 2021. Um, is uh, again avoiding story spoilers? Is there a time that you remember most fondly over your seven plus years of playing the game? Almost eight. Oh wow! Um, are we talking every expansion or just Realm Reborn? Oh no! For now, every expansion. We'll we'll, we'll focus on Realm Reborn later. Oh man! Oh, that's 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 tricky. It's probably somewhere in Heaven's Word or Shadowbringers. I mean, I don't want to talk about details. Mm-hmm. No, sure. I, I guess if if we're talking like personal stuff, though, I, I have very very fond memories of that first year. Um, that that beta period where I was playing with, I don't know who who listening knows the staff of 2013, but I was playing with Steven and Derek and some other people, and it, it was a small group because there was only a few of us in the beta at the time, so we were basically the three or four of us were always in parties together. Wait, wait, you, just, you're telling me Liz isn't involved? Um, at the very beginning, she was not. I'm I'm a little shocked by that because, but but uh, anyway, you keep going. <laughs> Well, she she plays WoW too, right? So actually, wait, hang on. I better. She did join somewhere in there. I can't. Remember, I don't remember if she played the beta though. She might have jumped in after. But yeah, I mean, it was it was neat because in the beta there was only you could only get so far in the game, and you know we made a point of like trying to figure out where else we could go, and you could rant one wander around places, and there like was nothing there yet, and it was <laughs> interesting. Like we, I did, we did kind of discover. I'm sure it wasn't a secret, but we didn't know that. You could go down to the docks in Limsa and like take a boat over to uh, Costa del Sol, and there was nothing there. Like 
there might have been NPCs, but I don't think there's anyone you could interact with. It's just it was just the beach, and you could walk around and not really do much at all. But we would just hang out and like discover places, and that that was really fun. That's still That's one of my favorite things to do in the game, regardless of who it's with, is just the discovery. Like when you find new areas, and I like just wandering around and taking screenshots. So part of why I, my hours are so high, not just because of actually like playing the game and doing as much content as I can, but I like just wandering a lot. Right, and I uh, I don't want to go like I don't want to make too much of this episode just explaining what FF14 is, but we're that that's going to happen at least to a degree. Um, FF14 it ha- is basically an open world MMO setting. So uh, you can just hop on a chocobo or stay on foot and just ride around and check out each of the uh, each of the distinct zones, which are I think quite beautiful and quite uh, uh, quite well designed. You you can see the design progression where the sort of the, the later games are sort of more sensibly set up or more directed in certain ways than the uh, than the areas that uh, were launched in 2013. And there's been sort of a greater sophistication of dungeons and trials and raids and open and cities and opened areas as you've uh, as the game has um, has aged and the designers have sort of figured out what they want FF14 to be more every year. But that, that original um, Realm Reborn, uh, it, it's it's not exactly a chore going back to old areas because th- those places are are cool and at least at least hold some uh, positive nostalgia for anyone that's invested the time enough to play through the whole thing. Uh, and, and now, Peter, uh, I I know you did you haven't been around FF14 since 2013. Um, but but what's your uh, general FF14 journey been like? So actually, I I did play that open beta very briefly when it first came out. Um, I played it on PlayStation Three. Um, so, um, so that back when the game was on PS Three, and um, I, I enjoyed it, but I was really I was in college. I was really not into MMORPGs. I hadn't really played any any other ones, and so I kind of bounced off it. Like I was like, okay, that was neat. Probably not going to get into this, and I sort of stuck to that for a long time. Like, I was always, like, even after I joined RBG Fan, I was on the periphery a lot, and I'm like, oh, wow, that looks really cool. Oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. Watched all the trailers, all that, and I'm like, wow, that looks cool. Too bad I'm never going to play this, because I just didn't like the idea of getting into an MMO. I don't know why. I, honestly, I think part of it was just social anxiety, but, like, finally, in late 2019, I played the free trial and was like, Okay, this is fun. I like it. Um, and I didn't really get super into it, though, until March um, when the lockdown started. Because, um, I guess just for lack of, of um, actual social interaction, um, being able to play it in an online game like 14 gave me kind of a better sense of community and interacting with people. Um and and since then I've been hooked. Like I've been I've gotten really into it. Um by this point I just got to the end of the first expansion, uh Heaven's Word. So uh so you've beaten the three point five content and you have characters probably in the early sixties in level? Um I've actually actually all my characters are in the early seventies, um, because I have I have done a lot of extra content, um with friends and just like grind i i mean i ground i did i i i did the animal weapon quest for my dark knight 
for no other reason than I think this sword looks really cool, even though this has not been endgame content for two expansions now. And I started doing it again for my paladin because I think their anima weapon looks really cool. Um, and suffice it to say, I've fallen deep down the glamour rabbit hole. I'm really trying to make all of my characters look as pretty as possible. Um, but really, I think the main thing is is that 14 is compelling to me because not only is it providing a social experience in a time where I really need that, um, and, you know, it's giving me an avenue to be with friends, you know, we've started, like, doing stuff with, as, as RPG fan, like, go, as, we'll, we'll put a group, a group together and run raids and stuff like that, but also, like, 14 is a good Final Fantasy. Like, it has one of the most compelling worlds and some of the best written characters in the entire series. And it's just a celebration of everything that we love about Final Fantasy as RPG fans. And I just think that's great. Like, you really do get the best of both worlds with this game. So yeah, I have, suffice it to say, that I went from being almost terrified to play Final Fantasy fourteen to being almost, com to being completely obsessed with it within the span of a year. So, <laughs> make of that what you will. And, and uh, you've only played the first two segments of FF14, if, if we call each expansion yeah. a segment and Realm Reborn a segment. But uh, similar to my question that I proposed to Mike, what's your favorite part of the game that you've run through so far, avoiding spoilers? It's probably that initial um, foray into Heaven's Word. Um, in between the end of 2.0, which is this we'll talk about later it's a bit it's, it's very dramatic and very exciting and i think was the point when i realized oh i'm really invested in this story now um and then just getting into the expansion and realizing like i think something just clicked where it's like oh so, so you, you mean after the end of 2.5 that yes that cut scene that's like that's like that's like an hour long yeah because like i mean to, oh, because, <laughs> because i mean well and we'll talk about this and you'll you guys will talk about this in the later episodes i'm sure um, and because the 2.0 content is very good and it does get you on board and it is a, I, I would imagine, much better than the 1.0 content that preceded it. But the expansion packs are really where they honed their craft and made this into this incredibly compelling game. Um, it really, it, it goes from being, wow, this is really good to this is fantastic. And so getting to play through Heaven's Word's main story for the first time was just a really incredible experience. Peter, uh, I, that, that is all extremely fair, and I respect it, but I want you to send me some texts after you play Shadowbringers. Because, I cannot wait. Uh, I cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, dude, I've heard, I've heard so much. I'm excited. Um, Shadowbringers was RPG Fans Game of the Year 2019, and I think, uh, uh, Mike, please correct me if, I, if I'm off here, I believe that FF14 was RPG Fans Game of the Year 2013, and uh, Heaven's Word might have been their, our Game of the Year 2015, so uh, is, is that is that right, or I might be misremembering the 2015 part. But uh, I can uh, check right now. At, at both, oh, 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 please do. At both E3s, um, at the E3s I went to, we had a... Final Fantasy fourteen award for continuing excellence in being Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if memory serves, 
uh, three of the ten years of the 2010s RPG Fans Game of the Year was FF14, which is a little crazy, and also, you know, uh, just is emblematic of our websites and our website staff's love of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'll try to be brief talking about my foray into FF14, because I'm going to be on more than one episode uh, talking about FF14, but I started playing it for reasons that may shock you, it's because they did a Super Sentai event. Um, in, in, in 2016, I think during the summer, um, one of the, uh, there was a, uh, an event that gave um, characters Power Rangers costumes and Power Rangers po- uh, poses because one of the raid bosses in Heaven's Word uh, is vaguely like a Super Sentai mecha or a Power Rangers Megazord. So they so around so around the time they launched that raid, they launched some Super Sentai stuff, and I think Derek Hemsbergen and Caitlin Argyros um, messaged me this stuff, and I'm like, well, this is ludicrous, and I've been tempted by FF14 for years now since I've joined RPG Fan, so maybe this will be the time I actually just bite the bullet and do it, and I so I did. I uh, I'm playing on the Steam version, which I sort of regret because that locks me into <laughs> only um, upgrading the game through Steam, but. Um, I, I binged it extremely hard in 2016. I I, uh, I beat the the 2.0 content and made my way a little ways into the into the 2.x content before taking a break, and then uh, rev- then um, got fired up again uh, a few years later. In early 2019, I, I beat Heaven's Word and Stormblood back to back, and then in late 2019, early 2020, I beat Shadowbringers and uh, and caught up to the current content. I've been on break since, uh, oh, since middle of 2020. Uh, I, I think I stopped playing around April or May, um, and and so there's there's more story that I haven't. I'm, I'm not completely caught up to the game right now, but I uh, I'm sure that. Uh, maybe even later this year, I will be excited by the promise of new content and dive back into the game again. And um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about my, my favorites and the ups and downs of my FF14 journey uh, throughout uh, more episodes of this podcast. But I want to I move on a little bit. Um, Before we do, mm-hmm? um, I did look up the Games of the Year thing really quick. Oh, please, uh, please, please do. Please, please, so, so we're uh, please, half right. We're half right. Okay. Um, it did win Game of the Year in 2013 from us, and other awards. Like obviously, it run won MMO of the Year. Um, it usually wins MMO of the Year. Um, <laughs> it did. It won MMO of the Year in 2015. It didn't win overall 2015 because The Witcher Three happened. Okay, that yeah. I, all right. That makes sense. And then and then 2017, um, it may have had been a contender for the Game of the Year, but that's also when Persona Five came out. Yeah, and and uh, near Automata might have something to do with yeah. that as well. It was a crowded year for good RPGs. Yeah, yeah, a good problem to have. But anyway, please continue. Right. So okay, it only won two years out of the 2010s, not three. My mistake. But uh, I, but but still, I think the point stands that it's uh, that FF14 is beloved by the staff of RPG fan. And it was not a challenge finding interested parties to uh, podcast about it. I think, I, I think I only need like one more person for the Stormblood episode, and we're and, and we're good to go. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, going into FF14 more specifically, uh, we talked about jobs and races and and some place names already in this episode. But uh, uh, when we were going into our uh, personal stories, but FF14 takes place in a world called Hydalin, uh, right? Yes. No. Okay, okay. Yes. The world is Hydaelyn. Right, okay. The world is Hydaelyn, and the starting continent where it all begins 
uh, is, or the starting region where it all begins, is Eorzea, which is uh, four or five, I think it's five nations, which include, which are, which comprise of one continent and a surrounding island chain. So uh, when you, uh, Eorzea, the, that word gets throw, thrown around a lot because that is sort of the the home of the good guys of FF14 for the most part. It is it is the realm that has been reborn. Yes. And uh, Aeorzea, there's a lot going on in Eorzea. Um one of the countries is sort of isolationist and you can't even access it in the uh, in the first 50 levels of content in the game. Another country has been uh, ha- has been sort of made into a puppet state by an occupying force for the past 20 years of in-game content. So and, and you can't enter that country either at the beginning of the game. And uh, three nations, Gridania, Limsa Limsa and Ulda, uh, in the sort of uh, like middle uh, southwest and southeast parts of the continent, um, they uh, are recovering from meteor hitting and are trying to, you know, gather the pieces of their countries. They're in an uneasy alliance with each other because they're worried about the invading force that uh, that was the, that is occupying one country and was the subject of the war in 1.0. Uh, and it, they're all very nervous about um, about a follow up invasion and other events going on. And so you, uh, the uh, the main character, the player character, is called the Warrior of Light. Uh, um, sort of wake up um, in one of those countries. Uh, you, you you sort of wake up in a wagon journeying to one of those countries, and uh, your and your story begins, sort of just trying to find work and find your place in the new Eorzea. And I think if you're uh, if you were a 1.0 player, you can sort of have this character be a reincarnation of your uh, previous Warrior of Light. Uh, and and there's there's an idea that from the opening cutscene that the sort of the the Goddess of Light that uh, that dominates part of the story like granted you that opportunity for reincarnation. It's a little bit up to interpretation, but the the idea is you are a special chosen soul by the Goddess of Light. Uh, that can that will have agency to shape the world of uh, of Heidelin going forward. And you start in one of the three country, one of those three starting countries in Eorzea, and which country depends on your starting class. Now, uh, Peter, you mentioned that your Dark Knight was doing this while your pal- Paladin was doing that. Um, uh, really, that they're the, uh, those are the same character. Like uh, the there yes. are. I want to say uh, 17, maybe 18 or 19 uh, jobs in Final Fantasy XIV that are uh, that are sort of the main fighting jobs of the game that resemble a job system from FF5 or FF3 or maybe FF Tactics or FF12. And basically, there's also crafting jobs and gathering jobs. We, I don't want to go into those right now, but part of how you define your own gameplay experience is what jobs you play as and they def- they define the sort of the move set and the strategy and the role of your character. Uh, oh, so yeah. um I, I want to hear from I want to hear from both of you and I'll, I'll give an, I'll give an answer for this too. What was your starting class uh in FF14 when you started playing and what are the one or two classes or jobs you use the most in current content? Uh, uh, uh Mike you go first. I only play paladin. No, uh, <laughs> not only, but it in in RPGs in general, and I I have probably said this at some point on a podcast, but obviously Final Fantasy IV um, made a very very powerful impression on little me. So um, I'm always always drawn to um, paladins in any format, and maybe it's also because I'm a big goody goody and like the idea of like protecting people and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. he protect, but he also attack. Yes. And not to go too much into actual gameplay, but in 
in a realm reborn they had this system where there was there was classes to level and you had to level classes to open jobs right and i'm so glad in Shadowbringers they they streamlined this but initially you had to level up two classes to get to a job so to get to paladin you had to level up gladiator so baby paladin mm -hmm. and then a baby white mage oh conjure god kill yeah, me. yeah conjurer Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, oh, I, no, I remember that. that. That system was still around when I started playing in 2016. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I had to level up Baby Warrior and Baby Paladin to become a Big Boy Warrior. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't so bad because you had to get one to level 30 and one to 15. But so technically, technically, I started as a conjurer, but only because I knew I wanted to level that up to 15 and then switch over because ultimately I wanted to be a Paladin. So that that's where I started, and that's still where I, what I play now. That is my main, and always will be. But my, when I'm not on Paladin, I'm either Dragoon because probably again Final Fantasy IV, um, <laughs> or or White Mage. I, I like White Mage and Astrologian, but I'm not good at Astrologian, so I stick with White Mage if I'm going to help someone heal. Something. So you so you have a power three. You have one. Uh, you have a tank main, a damage main, and a healer main. Yep. So I I try to keep them all mostly caught up. I'm a little behind right now, but that way if we're doing stuff as a group or whatever, that I can basically do any role. Which is extremely helpful. <laughs> can confirm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of a maniac when it comes to jobs. I, I uh, obsess over job systems and job balance. Like I, I wrote, I've written blog uh, entries about... Um, about like the the Diablo two job system versus the Diablo three job system because I really get weird about job balance and job variety. Uh, I, I I I like FF four, but um I I think I might even let, like FF five more just because it has a fun job system to play with. And uh, speaking of FF of FF five, uh, well I go all the way back to FF one. Those six main jobs of FF of FF one are all represented in Final Fantasy fourteen. I think Paladin is even called Knight in the Japanese version because going into the FF one Knight of being a defensive tanky attacking class uh, that has some mm -hmm. that has some healing spells associated with it. Um, my 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 journey is a little bit different from Mike's. I my favorite uh, jobs are almost always. Uh, um, Almost always melee. Like I like my my favorite Diablo uh, three class is is barbarian, and my favorite Diablo two class is also barbarian. Whoops. <laughs> um, I, I uh, so when I went into um, FF fourteen, I knew I wanted to play some kind of fighting job, and uh, I ultimately decided on monk. So my my starting FF fourteen job was pugilist, which is baby monk, and I I don't I don't even remember what the second job I had to level up was to unlock monk at level thirty. Uh, it might have ew, shoot. It 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 might have been Lancer. It might have been Marauder. But uh, but anyway, I started out as a pugilist. Eventually became monk. And then after I tried all the jobs, I sort of realized, you know, I, I like damage classes like melee damage classes like monk. I don't think I like caster classes quite as much because it, it's just a, a different pace of combat. Um, but but I really like tanking. Like like the idea of sort of. Uh, of fighting enemies and hol and uh, and holding them and redirecting them and having high survivability and letting and letting the, my teammates do the hard uh, damage rotations appealed to me somewhat. So I 
I, I tried uh, Paladin and Warrior, ended up liking Warriors more, and Warrior was my first job I leveled up to 50, my first job I leveled up to 80, it sort of has become my main, uh, and, and Warrior is the big axe class that starts out as a Marauder at level at level 1, then you become a Warrior at level 30, and then it's, uh, and you go all the way through to the end, um, and I sort of eventually settled on, um, like, like my, 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 uh, on, uh, Warrior is my main tank job. Uh, Monk is my main uh, damage job, and I did level. I do have White Mage leveled up to eighty just to be a healer if I ever really want to be a healer in endgame content. So I have I have six jobs at level eighty, but most of them are melee or tank because th- th- those are the roles that appeal to me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Peter, what's your answer to this? What was your starting job, and what became your main, or maybe the um, same job became your main? Uh, so my starting job was gladiator. Um, and I started late enough that they had mostly gotten rid of the um, having to level up two classes thing. Although I think they might still make you do that for Dragoon. I'm not sure. No. They don't? Oh, you, you just have to do Lancer? Well, then I leveled the Marauder for nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, you, you leveled, up, leveled up to try Warrior later because Warrior is awesome. I was going to try that. I don't like axes, though. Like, aesthetically. Not for any practical reason. How dare reason. you? How dare you? I know. I know. I, I, like to, I would like to Hulk smash as much as the next person, but... I, I I admit I, I am a bit of an axe man. I um well, I, I'm I'm more of an old spice man. Um uh but uh deodorant aside, I so I, I leveled up Paladin as my first job throughout um Realm Reborn. I, I think I was a little I was a little trepid trep I had some trepidation about stepping outside of that. I do enjoy tanking still, um so once I unlocked Dark Knight I switched to that almost immediately. I think their place. I like their playstyle a little more than Paladin. Um, it's a little more aggressive, um, and um, I and I like the aesthetic. I mean, this kind of you know anime edge lord with a giant sword. I, I am not surprised that you like the Dark Knight aesthetic. <laughs> it's it's very fu- it's very fun. Um, and their story is actually incredibly well written. Um, but my other main job is once I decided to level up uh, DPS class, I picked Red Mage. Um, because I think Red Mage is very Aside from being very stylish, I like how they're basically fantasy Zorro. Um, <laughs> they, they cast, like casting spells, they wield a rapier. It's basically the character I always play in D anD. like to do um, rogue. I like to do that kind of like traveling um, swordsman character. Um, and uh, do you also in D anD. D do you also like to pose and pop your collar while throwing your sword in the air? Yes, because it's fancy as heck. Um, and mm-hmm. and 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 red Ma- and red mage is also just a very versatile class because they cast aside from having a pretty good damage rotation that is not too complicated to execute. Um, because I am very verdum. Um, uh, they also have a very good heal spell. Um, which can be which um with the red mage's dual cast ability lets you um cast it in quick succession and heal a lot they also have a raise spell i haven't really had a chance to use this practically because um i've been in early content but now that i'm in stormblood i might have to step up and actually heal people <laughs> scared um but uh for for, for uh, so yeah so red mage and dark knight are probably ties for my main jobs i'm looking to branch out a bit though um might. I, uh, I, in a way, I'm grateful that I learned how to play Monk first because its damage rotation is so weird and fast and complicated that uh, learning any other job after Monk uh, was didn't feel easy. 
but at least wasn't overwhelming to me because I, I think that uh, other than maybe Summoner and Ninja, which are their own special uh, level circles of hell, uh, uh, <laughs> Monk is a pretty in, is, is a pretty intense rotation. So when yeah. I like uh, tried to learn Samurai and Dragoon after Monk, I'm like, oh, this is. This is actually a little bit more chill. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, right, and Red yeah. Mages is super simple because basically you just alternate between your your white magic and your black magic, white magic and black magic, and then once your mana levels, it like raises this little meter, and once the levels are are at a certain point and they're both relatively even, you switch to your sword attacks and you kind of dive in, do your little flourishy Zoro attacks, and then you backflip out like a boss, and it's really really satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Monk recently changed how their uh, rotation goes. So, and I haven't, I don't know M- new Monk yet, which is going to be a, a fun experience when I get back into playing the game. But it started out as having three stances, and certain attacks have you change stance, and uh, each stance has sort of three stance changing attacks. So you basically have nine main attacks, each of which changes your stance to the next one, and you always have to do those in sequence to keep your Grease Lightning stat buff up. And uh, each one of the attacks, some of them debuff enemies, some of them are damages over time, some of them are AoE, some of them are single. Uh, six of the of the nine have uh, extra damage from the side or rear, so you have to keep switching between side and rear, uh, keep uh, your rot- keep your rotation of the three stances going, and then also you have your uh, your off cooldown moves going in between each of those stance changing moves, uh, or sometimes at the, sometimes replacing one of the stance changing moves. And you have I think fifteen seconds to do a new stance change or a, a, do a move that holds your stance uh, in order to uh, keep the buff from Grease Lightning. It, Monk is insane. And, uh, and and literally every job besides Ninja that I've leveled up uh, feel, uh, feels like ca- like a calming down <laughs> compared to Monk. Uh, and and I, I, I know that the summoner rotation is also challenging, but I only have summoner leveled up to 50. I, I mentioned that I get weird about jobs. I have every single job leveled up to at least 50, um, in, but uh, but only six at the maximum of level eighty. Uh, only six, because again, I'm a, I'm a crazy person that eventually wants that Amaro mount. Uh, in, in Shadowbringers, eventually. Yeah. I I think you just described why they got rid of Grease Lightning. <laughs> uh, so I don't I don't know how much of the rotation is different because my monk is level thirty, but I do know in, in the last patch they just completely abolished Grease Lightning. So you probably still have to track all these different attacks but you don't have to like you don't have that extra pressure so now i don't have to sing the grease soundtrack to myself uh uh heading for the quarter mile like yes, like the, uh, the the next time i'm in a i'm in a a, a dungeon i don't have to concentrate on <laughs> yeah i think but, i'm gonna i think i'm either gonna pick up gonna be a dragoon or i'm gonna study the blade and be a samurai in my next uh i like samurai yeah. a lot and um picking up samurai was easy after leveling up monk because they use the same equipment uh, oh that's, so that's I could, very I, nice I, yeah, so I, I did. Um, I mean, they uh, not weapon, but the the armor is shared between samurai and monk. That was nice, uh, which, of, that, which was helpful. That was nice about Dark Knight too, because yeah, they both use fending gear. Yeah, all, all four tanking classes, uh, tanking jobs use use fending gear. Uh, both monk and samurai use striking gear, and poor ninja and poor dragoon are stuck on um, on on DPS island and and don't share gear with other jobs, which is a little annoying if you're if you want to level up an alt alongside one of those. Bum, bum, but, uh, bum, bum. Yeah, in 
inventory management is maybe the number one reason I'm trying to level things up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It, it, like if you get into crafting and or leveling uh-huh. up mul- multiple jobs, um, inventory can be over and 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 materials can be overwhelming in FF14. And people even pay for additional storage space by hiring extra retainers sometimes. No, I, they don't. I I'm I, I'm not what. No, they don't. I don't do that. I, I what are you talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about because I, I I haven't had to do that, but I'm also not uh, involved in crafting, Mike. Yeah, I have I, yeah, I have six retainers. Yo, Jesus! <laughs> and they're all maxed out right now <laughs> because I craft. Yeah, Great right. Googly moogly. <laughs> balls, balls. <laughs> that 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 is that is a level of, of I think my highest crafter is around level twenty five. Um, uh, I have I have not crafted. <laughs> I get Mike to do that for me. <laughs> I, I have tried crafting and it was and it was scary and made me want to go back to my into my like my safe warm space of just doing uh, trials dungeons and raids uh, and I did I didn't even try raiding until I was in like leveled in the seventies uh, and and I, I started with the level fifty raids or, or um, after after doing that but uh, well that's another thing but anyway I'm back um, backing up again um, oh. Realm Reborn um, oh go ahead Peter oh I was just gonna say those level 50 raids you were talking about are now mandatory for the story like you can't finish Realm Reborn until you do Crystal Tower yeah um, Crystal Tower is one of the raid sets in, in Realm Reborn okay oh you're talking about Coil uh, well I was talking about any any raiding at all but, but uh, I, I did I did start with Crystal Tower okay I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that was. It's interesting because that that raid became important later, and I think that's neat. you know I said level seventies, but I think I think I was, I think it was right when I st- right after my first break. So I guess I was in the low sixties when I started raiding when I started Crystal Tower. But uh, but anyway, that is, it's a mandatory part of the story now. But it was not mandatory when I, uh, uh, when I when I did those. But anyway, back to Realm Reborn. Um, depending on your starting job, uh, you, you choose a starting class. Uh, when you create your character, and there are, oh boy, six or seven races, a tremendous amount of freedom in character design. Uh, characters in FF14 can be quite pretty, which is uh, w- which is nice because, like, I, I mean, but b- part of uh, why I only tried a trial of World of Warcraft was because I, I didn't, I, I couldn't get my dwarf to look. I wanted to be a dwarf, but I couldn't make a dwarf that I liked the look of. Uh, I, I know that's a that, like like first world gamer problems, but, um, uh. And depending you, you, your your starting city depends on your starting class because you have to, to do your sort of class quests. You need to be in the city with the guild of that class. Uh, because I started with uh, with pugilist, I, that dropped me in Uldah. Um, Peter, being a gladiator, was also in Uldah, and Mike, starting out as conjurer, would have started in Gradania. And speaking very generally, Gradania is a a, um, a a forest town with a lot of uh, sort of shamanistic and 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 nature centered beliefs. Ulda is a desert town that's a that's you know big stone fortress with the uh, that with lots of merchants and and uh, and and minerals and uh, and heraldry of sorts. And Limsa Laminsa is a pirate town that's on built over the chain of islands off the east coast of Eorzea. And uh, and that's where the Marauders and um, and Rogues uh, guilds and a few others are based. And uh, astoundingly, like even though I did all and uh, excuse me, back it up a little bit. Uh, your first fifteen levels worth of quests and story are in your starting town. At which point you visit all of the other towns, become acquainted with all three, and then sort of the main unified story starts from level fifteen. And eventually you can sort of uh, join the local military of one of those towns if you want, and you should because that's how you get a chocobo. Uh, and uh, 
and and you can sort of adopt a home in one of those towns, uh, like 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 buy, buy, even buy an apartment or a, or a homestead if you want, and and uh, eventually sort of you can sort of identify yourself with your favorite town and where you spend the most of your time. And even though I started out in Ulda, I eventually sort of settled in Limsa Lamensa and made that my main hangout until Shadowbringers, at which point I, I was all Crystarium all the time. <laughs> and I should mention that um uh Ishgard is the is the fourth town that's introduced and in, that's that you explore in, in the most detail in, in the Heavensward expansion. And in uh the Stormblood ex- expansion, you are introduced to two new countries, uh, Doma in the far east and um, and Alamigo in the northern part of Eorzea, and you can you can uh, you can spend a lot of time in one of the cities in Doma, and then in in, uh, in Shadowbringers you travel to sort of a new world which is centered around a metropolis hub called the Crystarium. Uh, not to be. I hope that wasn't too much of a spoiler not, for you, Peter. Not, not to be confused with 13's leveling system. And, and no, it's yes. It, no, I, 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 I've spoiled myself on this game a lot. So, right. yeah. But so, do, do either of you have like a, a a main town that you sort of identified with, or, or like which militia did you join? I, I, I joined the Limsa Limsa one eventually. Uh, I, um, I, I went Twin Adders because even though technically my home city probably should be Ulda as a paladin since it comes out of Gladiator. Because I leveled Conjurer first, that's where my character started. I'm, I guess I'm just, I'm too loyal to Gridania, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I started in Ulda and I joined Immortal Flames. Um, I think, uh. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're, I like, I just kind of like their whole aesthetic. I like Raubon as a character. Um, and I, uh, and yeah, I just, I like that city the most, probably. I, I, Gridania is also. Oh, man, that. This is this is great. Each of us is in a different faction. Yeah, right. Yep. I, 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 Gridania is nice. I like it a lot, but I, I just um, and Limsa, I is, I like the idea of it, but it's so crowded that it lags every time I'm there, and I'm like, I just don't, yeah. I just don't want to be I, here. I just don't. Limsa is probably the most popular one, because, especially I think because the uh, the turn in points and the inn and uh, the teleporting crystal are all sort of in a short distance of each other. Right, yeah, you have to do a um, uh, you have to do a bit of a sprint to get from the central Aetherite to the market in uh, in Olda. But Immortal Flames headquarters mm-hmm. is right next door. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean the then the most crowded places nowadays, of course, are in the in the Shadowbringers content where uh, where, where you know end game people are. But right. uh, <laughs> I, I, I think mostly of the three starting areas, Limsa is probably the most crowded most of the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I also like Foundation a lot. Like, I don't, I, I, again, I'm not far enough to, to have been in the other zones, but Foundation is also a pretty cool city. It, Ishgard is amazing. It really yeah, is. well, I mean, uh, Ishgard is the city, and Foundation is, like, one of the districts of Ishgard. Yeah, yeah, okay. Foundation's right, yeah. where you can warp to. But yeah, Ishgard in general, right, yes. I just really like. Yeah. Um, it, we'll it talk a lot matters. about Ishgard in the in the next FF14 episode because uh, the Heavensward expansion is all about Ishgard. Oh, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. But um, continuing in the FF14 main story, um, you start out uh, sort of meeting the leaders of each of those of uh, three countries. Uh, you end up sort of helping around and, and exploring the diff- the further corners of each country, uh, uh, and eventually. You well, I mean, you start out meeting one of the members, but uh, you eventually become in contact with a special group called Scions of the Seventh Dawn, which are some holdovers from the 1.0 FF14 story, plus some plus some new characters that are basically a secret organization that are trying to save Eorzea from an evil group uh, called the 
why can't I think of them? Asians. Uh, Mike, who, the Asians, yes. The, the Asians, which are uh, a semi-invisible group of shadow people that are – that have world a world-shaping uh, – um, mm, how do I call they, it? Like a, a world-shaping ideology that could destroy the whole world. They're, they're, basi- they're basically a magical death cult. <laughs> it's more complicated than that. But they, they are they – are, It is more complicated than that, but not in Realm Reborn. Yeah, in, in Realm Reborn, um, you are the – people with the goddess of light and they are with a god of darkness basically speaking so, very pretty speaking in, in huge general generalities so uh they are they are basically fantasy organization 13 oh no don't bring kingdom hearts into this so let's see will kick you out delete okay. all delete okay. all of this okay so uh you, you uh you meet the scions of the seventh dawn uh you become acquainted with uh it's a pre- it's a pretty large group. I think I think that uh, it, they're led by a woman named Minfilia, and depending on what your starting area was, you encounter either uh, Ida and Papalimo, or Thancred, or Ishtola as your sort of guide through the first couple levels of the game, and uh, it's sort of that that crew, uh, pl- plus a few others that I didn't mention, are the sort of good guys that are centered around the the world-shaping conflict against the Asians, But the Asians are not the only enemies in this game, because you also have the Garleans, that invasion force that is occupying Alamigo currently, and invaded uh, the three allied nations of Eorzea in the 1.0 content. Uh, they're, they're, they sort of resemble an FF6 empire a, a lot. Uh, they even have Magitek uh, armor suits similar mm-hmm. to FF6, and they, and they have elaborate... Um, elaborate armor and masks similar to uh, the judge characters in FF12. Yeah. So they they and uh, and they also many of them wield gun blades like FF like and like uh, certain characters in FF8. So there's uh, mm-hmm. the, a, a lot of Final Fantasy imagery going on. Sorry, they even get their name from a uh, from Garland from FF1. Uh, correct. And but the country is called Garlemald. The uh, adjective form is is Garlian. And but they aren't the only um, villain here either. It's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the, the different. Well, I don't even know we talked about them very much. But the the uh, you, we mentioned that you could pick between several races for your character in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, there's the Mikote, which is a, which is the um, who I am. They're, they are they are a, a semi nomadic cat people, uh, de- or, or semi territorial, depending on which kind of Mikote you are. There's the uh, there's the Hewer, which are the more human one, uh, the more humanoid ones. The Elizin, the more elf like ones. Lalafels, which are something like gnomes or dwarves. Uh, so they're hobbits, and, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, halflings. You could uh, make make that comparison also. Um, oh, I'm forgetting some uh, rogadins, which are the sort of a, a very tall, not quite ogre like, just uh, or or orc like, but just you know, a, a very tall, broad, uh, broad shouldered people. And then uh, two other races, no, three other races that were introduced in expansions. Um, the Aura. Yeah, they are slightly dragon like or sl- slightly demon like. Um, and then there's the the female only uh, Viera. Oh wait, wait did they no, rename her? You got it. Okay, so it's Viera, just which are just like the FF12 Viera, the 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 bunny girls, and the uh, oh, who, what are the uh, the lion people that resemble Ronso? Hrothgar. Hrothgar, right? Hrothgar. Which are uh, the, uh, which are lion like or dragon or uh, tiger like, and uh, are uh, much larger than the cat people Makote. Um, uh, but but uh, they're, they're effectively Ronso. Um, from yeah, and I think they're even, they're even called Ronso in the uh, in the other world you travel to in FF in uh, FF14 Shadowbringers. But uh, uh, 
cur- curiously, yeah, right. even though biologically they're not all male or all female. Um, the Hrothgar, you can only play as a male right now, and Viera, you can only play as a female right now. But anyway, those are the civilized tribes of FF14. Uh, they, the ones that, you know, are, occupy the main cities and are the, and can be the, a playable character. There's also beast tribes, uh, which are sort of more, um, more savage, usually not friendly, uh, although there are friendly colonies of, of most of them. Uh, of, of enemies that you face, and there there are things like everything from uh, the the lizard people Amalja to the uh, to the sort of mer people Sahagin to uh, semi friendly tribes of Mughals, uh, basically just basically just non humanoid races that you can sometimes interact with and sometimes fight, but uh, because the beast tribes feel threatened by the presence of the civilized tribes or other beast tribes. They, uh, are, they are making ongoing efforts in the story of FF14 to summon their, uh, their primordial gods called primals. And when a beast tribe summons a primal, it can be extremely destructive and harmful and even uh, use their powers to enslave others. So it's really dark, weird implications. Uh, it's one of the coolest aspects of the setting, too, I find, because... In four in fourteen, the whole like magic system and everything runs on this life energy called ether, um, and because of ether, the beast tribes are effectively able to will their gods into existence. Um, so long as they have enough of the crystals to channel that ether, um, and the sacrifices to be tempered, you basically wind up with a universe where the gods of that universe can be very, very real if people believe in them hard enough. And I think that's fascinating as a concept. And, and it's weird. They have a different adjective for the enslavement of uh, of each primal. It's, I think it's only called tempered when Ifrit does it. But, uh, but Yeah, the, I, th- I think you're yeah, right. But the, uh, um, Ifrit is the... You can tell I was an old owl a lot. <laughs> Ifrit is the first one that you fight. Uh, Mike mentioned uh, Ifrit being the playable trial at, uh, at an E3 2013. Um, because the Amalja, uh, the lizard-like denizens of the desert near Ulda, uh, summon Ifrit, and your first, uh, one of your first big battle trials of the game is fi- is fighting Ifrit. Um, but because you're one of the chosen by the goddess, you're immune to the enslavement effects that uh, that primals can can do. And uh, a lot of classic Final Fantasy monsters or Final Fantasy summons are primals in the. Uh, in in the base of FF14 summons in, summons in particular and sort of the uh, FF the classic Final Fantasy motif of crystals, um and and the the classic FF summons are sort of incorporated into into primals quite often and uh the and a lot of the plot of the later part of Realm Reborn is the Garleans creating a super weapon out of ancient technology that is able to absorb the powers of primals and. Uh, and, um, and, 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 you know, apply them, uh, in, you know, uh, in mass destruction. So, um, throughout the game, you fight, uh, in, in just from level, say, 20 to 50, you, uh, fight the fire, uh, primal Ifrit, then the, uh, the earth primal Titan, and then the wind primal Garuda, and, uh, eventually, uh, the the Garlean Ultima weapon sort of absorbs the powers of all three, and uh, the final ba- the final battle of Realm Reborn at level fifty is uh, a gauntlet of Garlean uh, commanders plus the plus the Ultima weapon. It's that dungeon is something. It is something, and I, and actually, um, it's funny too because you can you can run the main scenario dungeons like that again, and and that's it's one of the only re- duty roulettes that 
it doesn't let you skip the cutscenes. They want to keep everybody kind of on the same page for newcomers' sake. But it's still, I find it still strangely compelling, even though I've run Praetorium like a dozen times by now. Like, um, yeah, the, the 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 final challenge of 2.0 is these two back to back dungeons. Uh, and when you do that uh, that roulette uh, as a veteran, you get a lot of extra experience and rewards. Like the rewards for the um, main scenario roulette are pretty strong. But I think they want to do that so that there's always. Otherwise, they would be undesirable to run since yeah. they take so long and have a bunch of story cutscenes. But uh, just so there is veteran help for newcomers mm-hmm. that want to do that story dungeon, they they, they 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 ramp up the rewards for running that dungeon as yeah, a veteran. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we should mention—I should mention a little bit. Um, uh, sort of a lot of the gameplay content is doing quests and and wandering around, but there's also dungeons and trials. Dungeons being a usually four-player uh, excursion with a couple boss fights. Um, and and treasure and what you think of as a regular dungeon, but but they're always multiplayer, always four players, uh, and uh, uh, but but the those two story dungeons at the end of Realm Reborn are eight players. Then there's trials, which are just a solo elaborate boss battle, which are usually eight players, but are four players for those first three trials in uh, in Realm Reborn, just when they're sort of teaching you how to do a trial. Mm-hmm. And also raids, which are only post game. Uh, also eight players similar to a trial, but sort of a series of boss battles instead of just a solo yeah. boss battle. And you also have the alliance raids, which are 24-man raids that are very, very fun. I find I find those to be probably my favorite content to do, just because it's just like this... Yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah they're total chaos, and you, you can look at them as a 24-player raid, or also just sort of a triple eight-player raid, because you sort of stick to your group of eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but, but you run a, you run a boss chain... <laughs> With uh, two other groups of eight, and in general, whether whether it's four or eight or twenty-four, the division is twenty five percent tanks, twenty five percent healers, and and one half uh, damage damage jobs. So, uh, like, there, there's always demand for every every type of job. And oh boy, you better re- you better remember to stick to your group because if if you don't think if you think that oh man, this part is so easy now, I can't imagine we could possibly wipe on this. Um, it can ha- still happen <laughs> if you don't if you are in the wrong place. So yeah, just yeah. And, uh, under most circumstances, they they scale your level back. So even if you're level eighty, everything uh, you can join in the alliance raid roulette to get to do a random alliance raid. You'll get scaled back to fifty uh-huh. or sixty or what have you to um uh, yeah. to to fit the content of the raid. I'm I'm gonna world of darkness is still hard. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna interject really quick before anyone else listens and offers a correction but just a small correction on the tank <laughs> thing there's there's one tank per group of eight now in the alliance no but isn't that only for isn't that only yes, for alliance yes. raids that aren't that aren't current um, it's all alliance raids they redid they redid oh, the it, crystal it, tower ones to do one tank per group because when it when it launched every group of eight had two tanks so you would have six tanks in there and mm-hmm. it was ridiculous it was too, it was more tanks than okay. Them. I, I remember I remember yeah. when it was like that. I, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was current alliance raids still needed two tanks per group of eight, but uh, I guess I guess they scaled that back. And, and it was I thought it was only old content with one tank per group uh, because they they wanted and they also wanted to make the roulette uh, balance more favorable to damage classes. Right, right, and it does because, because I mean I mean um uh, uh uh for for um for raids and. Dungeons and Trials, it's usually half of the team has to be damaged, but way more than half of players main oh, DPS. Yeah. 
yeah, so having one kind of content that was five eighths DPS is a little bit more favorable for getting uh, for getting good cues as DPS. Yeah, you have an easier time getting into alliance raids if you're playing a DPS class. I mean, you'll still uh, mm-hmm. you'll still be waiting a bit longer than you would for other content, but um, there's a higher chance that you're going to get in. Um, although I did one time wait an hour and a half for Dunscape and then gave up and and made a party finder thing because <laughs> I didn't have time for that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, Dun- Dunscape is one of the level sixty alliance raids. Uh, yeah, for list- for listeners that maybe aren't aware. Yeah, I was like, I just, w- I just want to finish this quest. But uh, going back to the uh, Realm of Born main story, we're we're jumping around a lot and oversimplifying things. But uh, I, I don't I don't care. This is my podcast. Um, it, basically, uh, the conflict <laughs> with the Asians and Garleans ramps up and ramps up. You have uh, eventually fight a bunch of Garlean generals in the run-up to that final dungeon in, uh, in Realm Reborn, and it's revealed that one of your, uh, one of your companions, the very handsome, roguish Sancred, has been, uh, has been possessed by an Asian, and, um, you need to sort of free him of his, uh, of his possession, uh, in, in that same final conflict. And you're also, and you're also fighting against, um, the leader of this, uh, this legion of Garleans, uh, Gaius Van Belsar, who is, surprisingly, a fairly compelling villain, um, for, even for early... FF14, he has a bit more nuance. Um, if, if you haven't, dear listener, um, uh, Eva Padilla wrote an article for us all about the ending of Realm Reborn, and I would highly recommend it, because it is a great thematic deconstruction of uh, Gaius Van Belsar's character. And both Gaius and one of the other Garlean generals, Nero, uh, show up later in, in Final Fantasy XIV. They do in, in, ex- in expanded roles. And I'm really uh, glad. And I'm really glad Nero got rid of his stupid rocket hammer because I hate that thing. Yeah, that, just... that, that that looks like a Monster Hunter gun hammer to me. And that's that, that's that's not a flattering comparison. That's that's very accurate. Uh, but but anyway, uh, after this epic double vinyl final dungeon, uh, basically. Basically, all is well. Like the alliance between the three countries, which was a little bit fragile while they were rebuilding, uh, united to stop the Garlean force, and are now tighter than ever. And then you go into post-game content, which is a little bit messier in Realm Reborn than it was for future expansions. But it's basically yes. it's basically it's it's five or six patches worth of new quests and new. Uh, and and new trials and dungeons and raids. I think they added something like more than ten dungeons, uh, six trials, uh, maybe uh, I th- maybe seven. One or two of which are story related, or all of which are story related, but one or two of which are uh, sort of just for the the final run up before Heaven's Word, and um, and and uh, two raid series, uh, Crystal Tower, which is themed after Final Fantasy three, and we've mentioned a couple times, and Binding Coil of Bahamut, which is uh, themed after Bahamut. And Phoenix and the uh, and the events of Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. So they they uh, really drown you in fi- in Final Fantasy lore with their uh, with the content here. And also um, the first five trials that they add are all uh, major uh, summons from previous Final Fantasy games. There's uh, there's one is the Mog summon, like the or, or King Moggle Mog, like the king like the sort of summon <laughs> version of a Moogle. Uh, the, plus Leviathan Ramu. Shiva and Odin, who, which is his, his own separate bag of tricks in how you uh, encounter the, him and, and uh, how you the, do that quest. The Odin but, fight is really neat. Yeah, the, um, the Odin fight is good, and the um and the way that they uh 
they, they tie all those stories together is pretty great. Like, um, the, not all summons sort of behave the same way. Uh, like, like, uh, like Leviathan just wants to drown all of Limsa Lamensa. Uh, King Mogulmog ha- is basically based off a weird Mughal fable. Uh, Shiva is a woman who, uh, takes this Ishgardian, uh, uh, bit of history or folklore very seriously and draws the power of Shiva into herself. Uh, Izael yeah. is a, is a great character who will get she into is. more in, in the, in, in heaven's word. But, and, and that uh, just... I was just going to say that gets into the, um, again, what's really cool about the, the whole, um, uh, the, 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 the primals being influenced by belief, like yeah. they sort of match the, the, the fervor of whoever summoned them. Yeah. The, the more believers they have and the more crystals you, you can acquire, the more powerful these primals are. And that, that, uh, for you comic book fans out there, that's a little bit Tommy Taylor. If you uh, if you are into your um, indie Harry Potter pastiche comics, uh, but uh, but al- but also just uh, that that theme gets deeper and deeper in, as you uh, encounter more primals and get de- and get more into the Final Fantasy XIV story. And there's a uh, th- uh, we'll talk about that more in the Shadowbringers episode for sure. But uh, tell- but anyway. Um, you can tell they were definitely trying to make up for um, base 1.0 not having any endgame content. Like yeah, that was one God. of the major criticisms of the base game, and and one might argue they went a little overboard, but at the same time, it's appreciated. There's you're not going to run out of stuff to do. It's, yeah, in in the post game for a Realm Reborn, which they keep saying are they're going to truncate uh, somewhere down the line, it's over a hundred quests. I think they added twenty quests and at least one dungeon, one trial, and one raid. Every single post-game patch in uh, oh, in yeah. Realm Reborn. Yeah, so it's the meaty. so it's something like uh, if you uh, so in between Realm Reborn and Heaven's Word, it's something like I think it's exactly a hundred quests plus uh, pl- plus all that stuff that I I mentioned um, with some dungeons and trials being optional, but most of them being part of the story. It's yeah. a lot, and uh, uh, and a lot of it's welcome. Like it's cool that they that Final Fantasy. 14 is always adding post-game content, but them scaling back on the amount of quests and, and amount of story for the post-games of the three expansions, I think is welcome, because it's a little overwhelming in Realm Yeah, Reborn. I think, one, they did scale it back. I, I believe they cut, like, 40% of those quests out. Um, Which sounds like a lot, but it's warranted. <laughs> I, 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 I did all of those. I want to go through the new game plus and try it myself, because that's I think that's a good reduction. Um, I think the other thing at the time, though, like, I agree that going back now, like, there's there's too many. There's too many, like, level 50 dungeons, but... There are so many. There are so many. Oh, my like, God. Every every single person I know, like, it, whether it's you two, um, Zach and Hillary, like, a lot of people on the site who have started more recently, I don't know any of them who have actually done all of the level 50 dungeons because... Oh, no. Uh, no, I, I've, yeah. I've done all of them. I mean... Of, of course, yeah, of course you have. Of course like, you like are. I did. <laughs> yeah, but I, I get I get weird about completing all the available content. Yeah. It took me a long, long time to do all to do all of them. And and uh, and I was in the middle of the level fifty morass of stuff when I took my long break from twenty sixteen to t- late twenty eighteen because I, I, it was just too much. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Now, but the thing is, though, like at the time, like when those were coming out, like three or four months apart, it wasn't a big a deal. And I think the other thing that to keep in mind mm-hmm. is that. A Realm Reborn at the time didn't have as many things to do. Like, I don't remember when the even the roulette, like, we're so used to roulettes in game, but they were not there from the beginning. Like, there were not as many ways to level back in the day. So I think their solution at the time was dungeons, but they've gotten so good since then about adding different types of content 
they realized you don't have to have this many dungeons, but at the time that's what they had. So they just kept adding more. Um, I think a lot of them are a lot of fun. It's just like trying to go back and do them now. It's like, it is overwhelming because you know, there's all these other things you can do instead. Yeah. Yeah. I went back and did a bunch. Uh, the anima, the anima quest makes you go back and do a few of them that I hadn't done yet. And I was appreciating that still because it's like, okay, even though these is older content and there's a lot of these dungeons, it's still good. I, I have not done the anima quests, which are which again is level fifty sort of special weapon quests for listeners that are uninitiated. Uh, six six but, it's level sixty, but but yes, it's uh, it's it's long and laborious, and no, I wouldn't okay. really recommend. I wouldn't really recommend it unless you ex- really want the pretty weapon. Yeah, that's my mistake. It's uh, level sixty is the anima is called anima, and level fifty I think is just called relic weapon or zodiac weapon. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I uh, and the level fifty. The final reward for the level 50 monk weapon is pretty amazing. It's one of the best glamour weapons, I think, in the entire game. But because it's, it's doing a bunch of extreme trials and level 50 dungeons over and over farming for special materials, I have not done it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's tea kettles that you wield in each, in each hand. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, oh, again, like like if you see someone with those kettles, you know they've done a bunch of weirdo fit level fifty quests, but they but they're rewarded with a extremely dope uh, glamour weapon. They've um, earned it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have. I have not earned it. I'm not nearly close. But uh, let's end this podcast uh, with uh, two things. I want to I want to ask everyone what their favorite and least favorite dungeons, trials, or raids or raids are, and also uh, talk a little bit about the final cutscene before you move on to Heavensward, because we alluded to it earlier. It's over, and I, I think it's at least forty five minutes. It is so long, but it is one of the most dramatic and involved story moments in the whole series. Uh, uh, basically, there's a a large gathering followed by an, uh, the assassination of one of the monarchs uh, by, by, the, by the Empress of Uldah, and then a coup uh, by uh, a coup attempt by a militia that you've sort of that you were involved in the, in, uh, in in forming, um, and then which leads to everyone in the Science of the Seventh Dawn um, doing a dramatic escape attempt. Uh, you're not sure what happened to about two thirds of them, but you and um, and uh, and Alphonse and Minfilia get out get out okay. Alphonse. <laughs> Al- oh, why? Well, well, no, no, Minfilia Alfie, does not Alfin, get out. Alphino. Alphino. I'm sorry. I, 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 I my mis- my mistake. I was thinking. <laughs> no, of, it's uh, funny. I just I was I'm think- just picturing Al- Alphonse Alric. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I, I was thinking of uh, – that, that's the full name of Al Capone, actually. Uh, uh, so that's what I was thinking of, of course. <laughs> so um, that's, why, that's why we call him yeah. Al. Yeah, I was, thinking, I, was thinking, I, was th- I was I was thinking of the of the, uh, the Brian De Palma movie, The Untouchables, of course. Uh, great Ennio Morricone song in that, in that movie. I mean, it, score in that movie. My mistake. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you and a few of the Scions make it out. Eventually uh, hook up with your contents, um, your contacts outside of Ishgard, and they help smuggle you into Ishgard, uh, beginning the, the Heavensward expansion. But that whole cutscene is just so much drama in a chain combo. They even give you a warning before you start that part of the quest saying, hey, uh, make sure you're not doing anything else for the next hour because this will take a while. <laughs> and uh, and they aren't they weren't kidding with that warning message before that uh, before that pops up and the I, I want to say two point five five content is the yep, name of the patch, correct. right? Yeah, it's very dramatic and I loved it. Like and that was the point where I think I realized, oh yeah, I am actually very invested in this story and it's it's very dramatic. It's very well done. You really get a sense of the stakes. Um, 
uh, and uh, and it's it's a great. I would I would imagine at the time it was a pretty incredible cliffhanger to lead into the expansion. Um, playing it now, it's kind of funny because you go straight into the expansion and everyone's voices change. But um, but uh, it's still like even even then, it's still a very effective resolution to that that part of the story. I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah, and it stressed me out because you you don't know what happens to Ida or Papalimo or Thancred or Ishtola, or uh, um, uh, is is uh, is 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 Uriange also there too? He's not. Uriange's um, fine. Um, he he yeah. wasn't there, but you also don't know about Menphilia at the time. Yeah. Oh 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 yeah. It's only you and and Alphino, isn't it? Yep. They're the only ones that get out. So for um. For hours and hours of content, you don't know what happened to any of them, and it's sometimes a little bit uh, uh, not alarming, but it's sometimes it's uh, pretty crazy how you do connect with all of them. None of them uh, permanently die as a result of the the escape from Uld, from the Uldah banquet, but uh, it's it's there are some circumstances in in reconnecting with them. Let, let let's yeah, leave it there. Yeah. I mean, but you don't know. I mean, for like hours and hours after that, all the stuff leading up to Heaven's Word, I was I wasn't yeah. exactly in a daze, but I'm like. I I was kind of like really invested in my character at that point because I'm like, all of my friends are like not here. It's very weird. I'm like, I don't it's... know what's going on. Like they want you to be in this mindset. Like, yes, you are really alienated from all these places. Like you can't go back into these cities. Well, you can. Yeah. Lore wise, you're not supposed to. And it's it. Yeah, it's it's quite a moment in the game. It and it, it felt it, appro- it felt appropriate to me that that was the point. I switched from Paladin to Dark Knight. because honestly honestly i was kind of role-playing it in my head like i was like yeah no it's kind of a disillusioning moment like the the, they brand the realm that you fought to save thinks you're a traitor and and did this horrible things to you and so you you did so you did the exact opposite of cecil and ff4 yeah no i went reverse (laughs) cecil (laughs) never go reverse cecil I think back uh, by then I was definitely settled on uh, on on maining marauder and um, excuse me maining warrior and monk and uh, mostly doing the content as a warrior but leveling monk on the side like doing all of my alliance rating as a monk and a lot of and a lot of uh, daily roulette quests for bonus exp as a monk, but uh, uh, the, the three jobs they introduced in Heaven's Word uh, uh, Dark Knight. Um, machinist and an astrologian I I don't have a ton of. Uh, of time invested into each of them. I have them all at 50 or 60, but, uh, uh, but that'll be a discussion for another episode. Um, tell me your favorite dungeon from realm reborn up to level 50. And then if your overall favorite dungeon is not one of those, give me your, your favorite dungeon after realm reborn as well. Uh, cause I, cause I think that, and, uh, and if you have sp- special thoughts on trials or raid series, I want to hear them as I want to hear those as well because you guys won't be on every single episode of the FF14 miniseries we're doing. Um, I'll, I'll I'll go first. Uh, I love the uh, it's either the last or second to last dungeon of Realm Reborn. It's one of the level fifty ones called. Uh, oh shoot! It's I, I I haven't played FF14 in over a year, so it's been a long time since I've done this one. The one with that's the old uh, Garlian airship that's that's wrapped up by uh, uh, by 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 Yorman Gander. Oh, Keeper yeah. of the Lake. Keeper, Keeper of the Lake. Fantastic. Keeper of the Lake is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's great because it's it's half an old Garlian airship, so a bunch of mecha enemies, and half uh, dragons. That had had infested the airship with again the corpse of one of the leaders of the dragons rat, uh, coiled around the airship, and having it um, re- uh, resting in the middle of a of a of an emptied out lake that's been 
that was basically cooked by me- by the meteor landing. It's uh, it, it's really cool and has uh, a bunch of story content that ties it into that ties it into Heaven's Word. That's my favorite dungeon level 50, 50 or below. And going uh, uh, later in the series, there, there's a lot of good dungeons in the uh, uh, in the in the later games. Um, but I think that the very first dungeon of Shadowbringers has such a sense of urgency and feels so different from other dungeons in the game that it's, it was very powerful to me. Um, it's, it's called a uh, uh, hold Minister switch. And that, I think that's maybe my favorite dungeon overall in the whole, in the whole game. Mm, nice. Are, are we doing uh, least favorite too? Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, least favorite. Sure. I mean, thousand miles of total rack is terrible <laughs> and I hate it every single, every single time I run it. It's a, that's the, uh, in for Realm Reborn, I think you get a new dungeon. Uh, you, the first couple dungeons are like level sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and then after that, you get a new one every three levels. Most of which are, are mandatory, some of which are optional. I think Thousand Maws is the level twenty-one or twenty-four dungeon, like around there. And I hate it every time. Uh, th- there's slime that slows you down. The boss fights are not interesting. It's a little bit maze-like, and sometimes new players will get lost. You have to. There's a collection part of it that sucks. I I hate Thousand Miles of Total Wreck. I I I roll my eyes every time I run it, but I don't want to be disrespectful, so I I don't immediately quit. <laughs> it, it's funny because the I think the map the layout of that dungeon is a little bit reminiscent of some of the area layouts in 1.0. If you've never looked at the maps mm-hmm. of Gridania um, in 1.0, go look uh... it up because they're just this like nightmare of grids that looks horrific. So that so, might be part of it. It's a it's a holdover from 1.0, I think. There are some 1.0 holdovers in that game uh, in in Realm Reborn. I know that uh, that dungeon that has the chimera in it with all the sand with all the sand pits. I, I that oh Cutter's Cutter's yeah, Cry. Yeah, Cut- yeah, Cutter's Cry is there. And Cutter's Cry I think was recreated wholesale from 1.0. That's like that's like one of the 1.0 dungeons straight up. Yeah, that one's that one's kind of a slog. It has some neat stuff, but it's it's too long. It's uh, Cutter's Cry is average or below average, but but I don't nearly have the ire for it that I hold for Thousand Maws. Uh huh. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah no no kidding Thousand Maws of total suck. So uh um favorite level fifty or below favorite overall and least favorite overall hit me. Peter, uh me or Mike either me? okay um okay um my uh my favorite level fifty or below is probably um Snowcloak. Mm, yeah. I really like um. I love the music, yes, mainly, I, but you. also it's just—it's a very pretty song. Um, I like winter zones and games in general, um, and that dungeon is very—I think it's very gratifying. The bosses are interesting. The last boss is really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, the middle boss is kind of obnoxious, but at least it's is that, not, is that, like, the, is that the Yeti with the snowballs? The Yeti with the snowballs, yeah. Which which is which mm. which is simultaneously very easy if you're a tank because you basically just keep it in one direction. Um. Um, and make sure like it hits the uh, the spriggans, but it can be really difficult if you don't know the mechanic. Yeah, if you don't know, if if, um, if if like two people don't know the mechanic in that, then it can be the Yeti fight is is an incredible drag. But it, it's it's at least interesting, and they tried yeah. something with it. And speaking of annoying mid bosses, I, I don't. I, my my least favorite is probably. I was gonna say Zamel Darkhold because I had a bad experience my first time running that. The guy I was running it was kind of rude, and I didn't know the mechanic, so it was like the perfect storm of bad juju. But I really hate running Stone Vigil Hard. Um, oh. Stone Vigil Hard, the cannon boss, either goes perfectly or you white <laughs> because someone is not shooting the cannon properly. Yeah, it's... And it's really hard to explain the mechanics to someone. 
So it's one of those fights that it's just like it just it drags. I, I I have done many runs where people just give up in the middle of that fight. Wow. Um, I I actually remember I, my my yeah. first run of Zamiel Darkhold because I was because uh, I was tanking it and I was very anxious and I even said the sorry first time doing this at the at the beginning of the dungeon, but I just avoided the million AOEs of the bosses and it worked out okay. Like uh-huh. my, my my group was com- competent enough that they uh and I was lucky enough that we that, that it was a smooth run for my first one, which seems insane. But uh... yeah, see, I just had I just had I didn't know the positioning with the light figured out, and once I did figure it out, I think it went fine. But one so again, I I said okay, this is my first time, but one of the guys in the chat was just very snarky about it. Yeah, and yeah yes. Most of the time, the the fourteen community is amazing for the most part mm-hmm. and very helpful. Every so often you get that one asshole. Yeah, yeah, and most of the time, if you're running a dungeon for the first time, if you play follow the leader a little bit, you'll be okay. But, oh, yeah. uh, but, oh, yeah, but sometimes definitely. the mechanics are very weird or complicated or mm-hmm. it's a newer dungeon and it, and it doesn't go smoothly. But I, I've had far more good experiences yeah. than bad running, uh, running dungeons in FF14. Yeah. But, uh, but, but Mike, do you, have, do you have a uh, – oh, oh, Peter, oh. do you have an overall favorite? Overall favorite so far is Great Google Library, both versions. Oh, um, I yeah. think uh, that library, that one is very fun. Um, that, that that's a Heaven's Word dungeon, but it's it's a very fun one. Yes, it's the oh shoot, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like the level fifty-seven or fifty-nine dungeon 59. is the regular. Yeah, version. the ba- yeah the regular version's fifty-seven, I think, and then um, or fifty-eight, and then uh, no, it's, it's a, they're all they're all odd numbered except for except for the ones at, at uh, multiples of ten. Okay, so then yeah, then, then yeah, and then hard is sixty. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, listeners, and you probably already know this, but but many many uh, dungeons get a hard version at a at uh, at a multiple at a level fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty that are that that is basically just keeps the aesthetic of the dungeon, but is a completely new dungeon, and uh, they're uh, a lot of hard hard mode dungeons are really really good. I think uh, one of the worst dungeons in uh, uh, sub fifty is uh, oh shoot, uh, what's the one outside of Gridania with, with the with the party that fails? Oh, um, uh, I know what you're talking about. It's yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I think I think so. Mike, say that again. Tamterra. Yeah, Tamterra Deepcroft. That's yeah, right. Yeah. The original yeah. Tamterra Deepcroft is kind of. Not a great dungeon, but Tamterra Deepcroft Hard is really, really interesting. Oh yeah, so, it has like, a really neat story to it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, um, Mike, going back to you, what's your favorite dungeon, fifty or below? Favorite overall and least favorite overall? Oh boy, and you're and you're actually allowing me to include outside of Rome Reborn. This is this is too oh, big yeah. of a mm-hmm. question. No, then no, 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 Peter went with the Heavensward one, and I went with the Shadowbringers one. Yeah, so please go for true. it. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna my favorite fifty and below. Hmm. I don't know. I think the dungeons are all right. I, I think I'd, it would have to be level fifty-one. Like um, maybe yeah, I, maybe I, Wanderer's Palace. I feel Palace. I'm emb- I, I'm embarrassed. I couldn't Ooh. remember Keeper of the Lake, but yeah. but Wanderer's Palace is Wanderer's cool. Palace hard. Wander- the regular is fine. Like they, they've nerfed the regular one so much that 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 Tomberry that follows you no longer instantly kills you. But back in the day, <laughs> yeah. it would kill you. Like you could not get caught by that thing, or everyone would wipe, and it was terrifying. Now it's just an annoyance. So, but the hard, yeah, the hard there, mode is I think, pretty fun. I think now there's a couple of them, but they're more annoying and not devastating. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of kite. You just kind of kite around it, get the thing, and then run past them again. Yeah. So right. it's it's kind of a joke now in terms of difficulty. But I mean, the setting is still cool. Um, so the hard mode's good. Keeper of the Lake is great. I don't like um, Thousand Maws either, but I'm surprised that none of us chose Orem Vale as our least favorite yeah. sub-50. Yeah, Orem Vale sucks. <laughs> Orem Vale's terrible. 
That, um, that's the I remember specifically. It's the level forty-seven dungeon, and uh, so it's often and but but it's optional. So it's often the last one you do in Realm Reborn before going to the main story stuff, and it it sucks. It, it like everything poisons you, and if you're new to it, you will die of poison in the first room. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's very easy to accidentally pull every enemy in most of those rooms, and you die. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it, mm-hmm. and it's tricky too because even if you're doing it after the fact, you, since you're synced down, you're synced since you're synced below fifty, you don't have your level fifty abilities or stats, so it, right. it's still difficult. Yeah, um, you, you'll be synced to forty nine if you're fifty or above, which yeah. which sucks, stinks because like a lot you get a lot of good stuff at the at the fifty mark. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's uh, I, I don't like job. that one, and I think it's I'm not saying like. Because I've played longer, but you know, it, I I do want to set the scene from for people who played in 2013 that at, again at the time there was less types of content to do. So when you were at that point in the game and you're, it's it was very easy at the time to get to the end story dungeon, which you need to be level 54, and you were level 48 or 49 because that's just where you ended up playing the game. So. Really, the only one of the only things you could do to grind out those last levels is you want to do the highest level dungeon. So you would just run Orin Vale over and over again to get that last level or two you needed. So that's Oof. part of my <laughs> uh, issue with that dungeon. I, I I would do command missions to get fr- from a job from level say forty five to fifty, but those probably weren't. A, those are oh, no. something you do through your, through your military faction. Yeah, yeah, those are definitely not around in twenty thirteen. Nope, and um, and there was no roulettes. That's the thing. At that time, oh, there, what? Were, there were no roulettes to do. So, like, that, you had to just queue for a dungeon to level up. Uh, so, yeah. And the listeners, you probably know this, but roulette, we've said the many, we've said roulette many times. Roulette is basically doing a random category of content for a bunch of extra experience and item rewards, depending on your level. Right. Um, anyway, yeah. So, that's my, maybe my least favorite. I guess if I can cheat and add a, add a raid to it, it's going to be Binding Coil as a favorite. <laughs> Because, you know, so I've kind of helped a lot of people just over the last year, actually, at the site, like, encourage people to do it, whether I've gone with them or not, although most of the times I have. And it's easy to miss it. Like, you don't, it doesn't come up in the story unless you go seek it out. Like, oh, I should go do this thing. And it's so important to the the narrative of A Realm Reborn that I always insist that people do it. Like, you can do it now, and you, you run it unsynced at level 80 or whatever, and you'll beat your bosses in, like, a minute at a time. But it's really important to, like, see that place and see the story. So that's my I favorite thing in, in Realm Reborn. <laughs> I, I probably should do that. I have not done any of the Bahamut stuff other than the very, very first round. Um, but oh. I... Ooh, but join uh, us. I well no, I'm not going to resub anytime soon, and not not with my uh, not with my ongoing obsessions of uh, of yakuza and podcast games to play, <laughs> but uh, but it, it is something I am interested in doing um, uh, when I do get back into FF14. Uh, cheating a little bit also. I mean, my favorite trial series and favorite raid series are both in Stormblood. Um, uh, Return to Evilise, the alliance raid from mm-hmm. uh, for level seventy, is uh, themed heavily after FF12 and FF Tactics, and it is breathtakingly good. Amazing, and the. And the the trial series at level seventy is um, is a side quest that is completely optional, and it's two level seventy dungeons and two and three level seventy trials that are hev- um, that I think are based on bosses in FF eleven, but are uh, the the the, the uh, shoot the uh, the the four 
They're, well, they're based on Chinese folklore and the, Four, uh, the Four Lords. Yeah, the, the the yeah, it's called the Four Lords Quest, and it's uh, two dungeons and three trials where you fight um, the the sort of the, the eight heavenly. I'm sorry, the four heavenly beasts plus a version of the Monkey King are the main bosses in in those five uh, sections of content, and they're really really good. Um, the, the the first dungeon is sort of the least interesting, but the second dungeon and all three trials are excellent. Uh, I don't even know what my favorite one oh, is. Yeah. The, the, the Swallow's Compass dungeon might be the best part of that. But it, it's it, it, when you get to level 70, Peter, please do Four Lords. Or I should say level 70 I, in the story. Uh, please do Four mm-hmm. Lords. Yeah, I plan I, I plan on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they've... That in return. That, yeah. They've stepped up their game so much in every expansion with, like, the quality of dungeons. Like, there's, mm-hmm. so, there's much less of them, which I'm glad about. So they're just... There's so many good ones after Rome Reborn. It's a qual. It's a quality over quantity yeah, thing, really. Definitely. Like they kind of started doing. Like they stopped doing the multi-part patches. Like now we know exactly how many up- content updates they do, and they've started rolling out little mini content patches. So it's like instead of you're just going to get a big dump of content with every patch. It's like we'll add a couple things with the little interim patches. Yeah. Like um, they just a- they just added in flying to the realm reborn reborn zones kind of randomly one day, and it makes exploring the realm reborn zones so much easier although you can tell they were not designed for flight sometimes (laughs) and um the content delivery has been so consistent that with a given patch fans that that isn't out yet and doesn't have any details revealed about it yet fans would be like oh this is definitely going to be one one level 80 dungeon uh the next stage of the alliance raid and probably one trial series and uh and and the next part of the relic weapon like like people will know exactly what what the content of each patch is structurally because it's been the same ever since uh heaven's word but uh the content of the actual content has been just getting better and better because FF14 is is getting better at being FF14 with every patch. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, it still amazes me like seven <laughs> years later that they've done this. They've been doing this every three to four months, putting out all of the stuff and now stuff in between as well. And that consistently for over seven years. And I can't wrap my head around it. It's a, I think it's it's a pretty good sign to me, I think, that Yoshi P is going on, going on to produce uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. that the series is finally, like, in good hands, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because, yeah. like... Uh, y- Yoshi yeah. P is so beloved by FF14 fans that, I mean, he, I hope that he has a lot of clout and a lot of uh, respect within Square Enix. I mean, I assume he does, but I don't actually know these things. He deserves it, like it really does. And uh, like him getting FF sixteen is such a vote of confidence that just makes me more excited for FF sixteen. But um, let's let's not talk about the future of Final Fantasy in general. Um, we might know more about this by the time this episode airs. We're in late January right now, recording this, but this is, the episode's not going up until February, so we haven't officially gotten an announcement about the next FF fourteen expansion at the time of this recording. We know that there was a. a uh, a trademark done for Forspoken, I think, was the name of it, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it was like Forsworn or Forspoken. I think it's Forspoken. So uh, th- that announcement maybe might be out in the wild at the time of airing this. But, uh, I mean, things were definitely halted by the coronavirus epidemic, but uh, we might, hopefully we get our um, FF14 odd-numbered year expansion like, like fans are expecting, even if it's delayed by uh, several months. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement about the future of FF14, but today we spent a while living in the past of FF14. And thank you, Peter and Mike, for, uh, for 
uh, joining me on this. Uh, talking about FF14 is something that a lot of people in RPG fan are excited to do, and we're going to do that for a couple episodes more. And listeners, uh, whether you're an FF14 neophyte who are listening to this out of curiosity, or an FF14 fan listening to this for some FF14 glorious content, thank you for joining us as well. But next week, we're not doing more FF14. We are doing two episodes back-to-back on Radiant Historia in the second half of February. I have just barely started that game. Uh, Again, this is late January. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to finish it in time for when we record those episodes soon. Um, I really liked that game the first time I played it, but I never got the good ending. So this time I'm going to use some guides... uh, Maybe play with a laptop besides besides me and uh, and and try to actually finish that game for real. Ah, it's so good. It really is. Mm-hmm. I, I again, I enjoyed it when I played it almost ten years ago, but it's uh, mm-hmm. now I'm gonna do a a more complete effort to to finish it. But uh, speaking of complete effort, we have March planned out for the podcast. We're doing another FF14 episode about Heaven's Word with two new panelists, plus an episode on Crimson Shroud. That Monsuno 3DS weirdo download game that I had barely heard of, but uh, but am curious enough to do a podcast episode about it at least. And two episodes on Muramasa the Demon Blade, which was a Wii action RPG from Vanillaware that eventually got a Vita port. Uh, I am higher on Vanillaware now than I've ever been in my entire life because I enjoyed 13 Sentinels so much. <laughs> So uh, so trying Muramasa for the first time is very intriguing to me. So uh, I've played Radiant Historia before, but I have not played Crimson Shroud or Muramasa. So March is going to be a month of new experiences for me. That's um, exciting. All right. Yeah, it is exciting. You know, I, I, uh, I usually favor games I haven't done before for Retro Encounter because I want to sort of cross things off my backlog. I think the only replay I did in 2020 for Retro was Mario and Luigi uh, and, and, a, and a couple of the Supergiant games. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it's not all, if, if I only did games that I've played before, then this whole podcast would be Final Fantasy Dragon Quest and Persona, and, uh, sorry, we're not that podcast. Monster um, Hunter. And Monster Hunter, yeah, no, I, I, I have had my time with Monster Hunter, that's mm-hmm. for damn sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, listeners, whatever uh, your time is for whatever game, the best way to reach out to us directly is to email retro at RPGFan.com. I check that email every week and respond as best I can. You can also go to RPGFan.com and visit our message boards or visit our Facebook page or our Instagram or our Twitter or our Discord server or our YouTube channel or our Twitch streaming channel. There's something going on on Twitch, RPG Fan almost every day. There's also three other fine podcasts on RPG Fan. Random Encounter every two weeks, mostly about randomness. Uh, uh Rhythm Encounter, of which, Mike, you are the architect. Yes, I, I mean, the current architect, yes. Right, uh, Rhythm Encounter recently had its own uh, version of an FF14 rebirth <laughs> uh, uh, last year, and it's, and, it's, and it's come back stronger than ever. And speaking of things rebirthing, the other podcast hosted by RPG Fan is Phoenix Edge, which is a weekly podcast mostly focused on current events, but they talk about a little bit of everything RPG over there. You can review Retro Encounter or those other three podcasts on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or however you're listening to us. Please review us. Please leave feedback. We love all the feedback. Uh, but if you want to give us feedback more at a more individual level, how can you do so? Uh, let's share that with the listeners, starting with you, Peter. All right. Uh, you can reach out to me at I Have Fury on Twitter. Um, I'm there way too much. You can also email me, PeterT, at RPGFan.com. And Mike. Uh, the best way for me is just email. Um, I'm at Mike at RPGFan.com. You know, there's, it's a little unfair that there are two Mike S's at RPGFan.com, and they're both on this podcast. So for, uh, for, me, for me, if you want to email me using my RPG Fan address, you have to go with Solosi at RPGFan.com. You got the first name, I got the last name. 
And uh, you, I'm, you can also find me most easily on Twitter. I am at the real monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. Uh, and I'm also Monsoon Mike on RPG Fans Discord. So, whew, we, we almost have a full party. We're a, uh, we're a paladin, a warrior, and another paladin. Okay, never mind. We're not a full party. We're all either. tanks. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be a red mage. I'll switch to red mage okay, for okay. this one so it, I can back up as a healer. All right, so we'll have a, a semi-healer. I, can, I, can, I, I do have white mage at level 80. So we'll be a white mage, a red mage, a paladin, and... I mean, it's easy to find a DPS, even if you're not even if you're not rolling with an alliance raid. Uh, listeners, please be our DPS. Thank you. Good night and good luck.